Good morning, everybody. Um, so following Brian's encouragement, I'm John Mark. Um, and also, I have no desire to compete with anybody. Um, so I hope, I hope you've already heard something or a couple of things from people this morning that um, you will want to carry into your week. Uh, so if you get something more now, it'll be a bonus. But I hope you've already heard something and God's already been, been speaking to you. Uh, but let's, let's take a second and just gather our hearts and ask for God's help as we open up his word. Um, Father, thank you for the beautiful uh, hope that we've just been singing about, that at the end of our journey of life, um, we have this before us, that we will feast in your house with your people. And Father, I do pray that that would stir our hearts and draw out our desire uh, and give us encouragement and perseverance for the journey. Um, and Father, I want to pray as we open up your word. Um, Father, you know uh, even better than we do how much we need a word from you. Um, not only today, but every day of our lives, we need to hear from you words that will give us light and give us direction and give us wisdom uh, and give us hope and bring us healing. Uh, we need your word. Um, and so, Father, I want to pray, would you speak to us again this morning? by your word and by your spirit who is with us. Um, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so um, we are, we're on week two of um, a new series. We're thinking about um, everyday mission. We're thinking about what it means um, every day of our lives when we get up and boil the kettle uh, or use our fancy coffee machine or whatever you have. Um, what does it mean to be people who are on mission, to be a man on a mission, to be a woman on a mission as we go into our ordinary days? Um, and I wanna, I wanna begin this week with um, a quotation from a song by the late, great Rich Mullins. Um, so Rich Mullins had a song in which he, he find this line. He says, sometimes I think of Abraham, how one star he saw had been lit for me. Um, I just want to drop that quote in at the beginning and we'll come back to it later on, but just maybe at the minute to wonder with you, what, what did Rich Mullins mean by that? Um, sometimes I think of Abraham, how one star he saw had been lit for me. And hopefully by the end of our uh, time here this morning, um, that'll make a little bit more sense if it doesn't make sense at the minute. Um, but maybe, maybe even when I say that, so we're going to be thinking about Abraham this morning. Uh, and maybe you might be thinking, um, JM, I want to get into the stuff about um, everyday mission. I want to get into thinking about my workplace and my neighborhood and my colleagues and what does it mean for me to be on mission? And I'd love you to talk about something really down to earth and really practical. How do I do it uh, tomorrow morning whenever I go into my, my day? And why are we talking about Abraham uh, when I want to think about tomorrow morning? Um, and so maybe just a comment about that in defense of why we're talking about Abraham. Um, I want to just make a little comment about um, story. Um, there's a, another quotation from the Lord of the Rings. Um, Sam says to Frodo at one stage during the story, he says, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. In other words, he's saying, I wonder what kind of story we are in. Um, there's a, a philosopher called Alistair McIntyre 
um, who said something very wise one time. He said that as human beings, um, we can only answer the question, what am I to do? If we can first answer the question, what kind of story am I part of? So in other words, if we want to get to the practical stuff, we want to figure out what do I do? What choices do I make every day? How do I exert myself? What steps do I take? What actions do I take? We first need to answer the question, what kind of story am I part of? Um, and if I can use a, um, a big phrase for a moment, um, some, some people who are kind of cultural commentators looking at our, the time that we are living in at the minute, one of the things that people say is, one of the characteristics of our generation, of our time, is a suspicion of meta-narratives, right? There's a big phrase, what does that mean? It means simply that people are suspicious of big stories. Anybody coming with a big story, people have suspicion about it, whether it's coming from the church or from politics or from business or wherever it comes from. Uh, and there's lots of reasons maybe, and we'll not get into that now, why people are suspicious of big stories. But the result of it is everything fractures into thousands and thousands and thousands of little stories. Um, and the best place to see that is if you go on social media where everybody can have their own platform if they want and everybody can tell their own story. This is my story. This is my truth. This is who I am. Um, and it sounds very liberating. Everybody can now tell their own story and we've all these little stories being told. But actually it ends up being very confusing and kind of overwhelming. Um, we can start to wonder, do any of these little stories add up to anything? Do they mean anything in the end? We can feel a little bit adrift. We can feel a little bit lost in the cosmos. Um, we can end up wondering, like one of Shakespeare's characters did, uh, whether life might not be a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And if you spend five minutes on social media, you can have that feeling <laughs> um, of idiocy and sound and fury that signifies nothing. That's why if you spend five minutes on social media, you can end up with a feeling of existential despair. Because it's a million little stories, but nothing holding it all together. So that was a little diversion to say, that is why as human beings, if we want to know what to do on Monday morning, we need to find a sense of the big story. Uh, and I guess over these four weeks in January, that's what we're doing. In order to try to understand what our mission is, what our part is, what our purpose is, what we should do on Monday morning when we get up and boil the kettle, we're trying to get a sense of what is the big story. And so we started that last week. Uh, and we're going to continue it this week. So that was a diversion into meta-narrative and story, and you can think about that uh, later on. Um, but we saw last week, uh, before we get to Abraham, um, the story began with blessing uh, in Genesis 1. And we, we talked last week about how God made a world that was good and blessed, and it was a world characterized by that shalom that we just sang about, uh, that peace and well-being and wholeness between people and God, between people and each other, and even between people and the, the physical creation and the rest of creation. And we saw last week that in that world of goodness and blessing and shalom, humans were given a mission that even before sin appeared in the picture, even before the world went wrong, human beings were given a mission, which was to rule with love and with wisdom 
and to care for creation. Um, but you and I are very aware as we think about tomorrow morning and where we're going to be, or even later today, um, we know that we don't live in a world like that. Um, we know that something has gone very badly wrong. The world has fallen into shadow. Uh, and that story is told in Genesis 3, which we're not going to look at in detail. Um, as humans made a disastrous choice and we rebelled against God's loving rule and we broke God's good commands, we didn't trust that God was good and had our best at heart, but we wanted to be our own gods. And so we took and we ate. And I'm deliberately using the word we because that story in Genesis 3 is not just about Adam and Eve, but it's about all of us. We're all involved in that story. We're all implicated in that story. We made that choice. And the results of that choice have been disastrous. And what I want to just note before we get to Abraham is, when you read Genesis 3, the word that is used to des describe that catastrophe, to describe uh, that world after all went wrong and all went dark, is the opposite of the word blessed. It is the word cursed. That word is repeated in the story in Genesis 3. The, the shalom of creation has been lost. And so just as shalom existed between people and God, between humans and each other, between humans and the, the created order, now there is brokenness and alienation and damage in all of those places. And so humans... Uh, experience distance from God, alienation from God. Um, humans are alienated from each other. And now instead of working together in harmony and in partnership, there is blame enters the story, pointing the finger at each other, blaming each other, competing with each other, and very soon murdering each other as violence enters the story very early on. Uh, and again, even between humans and the physical creation, shalom is lost. So now work is painful and childbirth is painful and there are thorns in the garden and there's painful labor and there's sweat. And so on every level, shalom is lost, blessing is lost and now there's curse. And I, I'm guessing that is the world we recognize. We are aware on some level as we get up tomorrow morning and put the kettle on, that is the world in which we live. It's not a world of good and blessing and shalom, but it's a world in which there is shadow in which there is curse, uh, in which shalom has been fractured. Um, and so then the big question is this, is what will God do as we move on from Genesis 3? Um, and we might wonder, will he wipe us from the face of the earth? Will he abandon us to the consequences of our own stupidity and just leave us to the disaster that we have uh, chosen for ourselves? Um, but what we find instead is that God does something, I think, kind of unexpected. Um, God does something strange and surprising. Uh, and it's this. He finds one man living in what is today Iraq. It was known back then as the land of the Chaldeans. And he enters into conversation with him. Right? What does God do about the disaster that's befallen the cosmos and the world? He finds one man living in Iraq and he enters into conversation with him. And that's where we're going to read uh, this morning. Genesis chapter 12. Um, and I guess if we're trying to understand the big story of the Bible, uh, there are certain key moments in the story that it's worth becoming really familiar with. And I think one of them is this moment 
when God speaks uh, to Abraham. Um, Let's read together Genesis 12, uh, reading from verse 1. Um, And just to note, uh, at this point in the story, Abraham was called Abram, uh, and his name was lengthened later. I always say he became funnier and got added ha later on. Um, But he became Abraham later, but it's the same same person. Uh, So Genesis chapter 12, uh, reading from the beginning, says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out. And continued towards the Negev. Um, I want to encourage you um, to find time this week to read, read a little bit more in the story of Abraham. Uh, but I want to read for this morning. I just want to read one last little bit, um, which is later in chapter fifteen. Um, there's a moment in the story when Abram asks God a very sensible question, which is he asks God, "How are these promises going to be fulfilled, since I have no children?" Um, And God takes Abraham outside and shows him the stars. And this is what he says. He says, it says, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. And then this final comment, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Just a little snapshot of a key moment in the big story. Um, what is going on in this story uh, that we read this morning? Um, I want to suggest that yet again, uh, the key to this story is in the word blessed. Uh, this word keeps popping up again and again. It's repeated five times in the verses that we read. Bless, blessed, blessing. Um, you, you may notice... Um, Sometimes if you pay attention to the way we often use the word blessed or bless, um, I think we often use it in quite a, a bland way, quite a, a tame way. Um, and so um, it's not a very powerful word in the way we use it. So we, we use it whenever somebody sneezes. We say, bless you, um, just a, a kind of reflex. Um, we say it sometimes as a kind of vague prayer when we're not sure what to pray, Lord bless them. 
uh, but it can sound a little bit bland. Um, we even said sometimes if we see something that's cute, like a little baby or a puppy, say, oh, bless. Um, it's kind of a, it's a cutesy word um, and kind of bland. Um, in the Bible, this is a powerful word. Um, and if we have been reading the story uh, from Genesis 1, then we know when we hear this word blessing, blessing is what was there in the beginning. And blessing is what has been lost in the fall. And so whenever we hear God speak the word bless, blessed, blessing to Abraham, I want to suggest what we should hear is nothing less than a promise to reverse the curse. It's a promise to restore all that has been lost, right? So it's not, a, a kinda, it's not that Abraham has sneezed. It's not that Abraham is cute. Um, it's not a vague thing that God is saying. It is a promise to reverse the curse. It is a promise to restore everything that's been lost, to undo all the catastrophic consequences of sin and to restore the goodness and shalom and blessing of the garden. That's what we should hear when we hear that fivefold repetition of the word bless. Um, and I want to suggest at this point, as we, as we reflect on mission, this is God's mission in the world. Before we can ever think about our mission, we have to think about God's mission. What is God's mission? It is nothing less than reversing the curse and restoring everything that's been lost of that goodness and blessing and shalom of the garden. Undoing all the catastrophic consequences of sin. That is God's heart. That is God's intention. That is God's good purpose. That is God's mission. Um, that is what God is doing in the world right now. Um, right? God doesn't get up and put on the kettle, but what God is doing every day is that. And if we have a lesser vision than that of what God's mission is, we need to get a bigger vision again. That is God's mission. But maybe we haven't got, I think, to the most surprising part yet. Um, that is God's mission in the world. Um, but God's intention is not just to do this directly himself. That would kind of make sense to me because God is all powerful and God is able, right? For God to say, I am going to just directly zap, 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 undo all that's wrong and restore blessing. But instead, God says he's, he plans to do it. He intends to do it through the family of Abraham. And so he says to Abraham, first of all, I'm going to do it in you and your family. I will bless you. And I think that's for Abraham and his family. Um, so first of all, I'm going to do it in, in that family. And then I'm going to do it through them. Because he says, and you will be a blessing. So he's going to reverse the curse in them, start to undo all the consequences of sin in them, start to restore goodness and shalom and blessing in them. And then he's going to start through them to share it with the world and to spread that saving, redeeming, restoring work to the world, which is kind of extraordinary. And if you and I ask, how far will that blessing reach from this one man in Iraq and his family? How far is it going to spread? The answer is, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Um, and actually, I love more literally uh, what it says there in that verse 
is all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So God is saying, through Abraham and Abraham's family, his offspring, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Ripples are going to go out of blessing that are going to reach all the families on earth. I think that's kind of extraordinary. So if God's mission is what we've just described of reversing the curse and restoring all that's been lost, God's method, God's strategy, if you like, is to choose one ordinary family and begin this story of redemption and renewal in them and then to use them to spread the blessing to the world. That's kind of mind-blowing, kind of extraordinary. Um, Then maybe the question we need to ask is this, is who are the family of Abraham? Um, Who are the the people through whom God is going to do this? Uh, And I want to suggest... um, three possible answers that are all right. <laughs> right? So it's not, it's not that any of them are wrong, uh, but the three that we need to reflect on. Who's the family of Abraham through whom God is going to reverse the curse and spread blessing through the world? Well, first of all, um, most of you know, eventually Abraham had a son called Isaac and Isaac had a son called Jacob who had many children. And Jacob was also known as Israel, which means one who wrestles with God, which is a brilliant name, because uh, he literally wrestled with God. Um, and so because Jacob is also known as Israel, Jacob's descendants were known as the children of Israel. And so the first answer to the question, who's the family of Abraham? Is it's the people of Israel? Um, the, this family became a nation. Uh, and at different times in their story, they were nomads living in tents, and they were slaves in Egypt, and they were wanderers in the wilderness, and eventually they arrived at a homeland in Canaan, um, and then eventually they went into exile, and then eventually they came back. Um, It's a long journey that they went on. Um, But this was, first of all, their mission, to receive God's blessing, his saving blessing in their own lives, and then to pass it on to the rest of the world. It was really important for Israel. They were not just chosen to be God's special people, to enjoy God's blessing for themselves from the very beginning when the story began with Abraham. They were called to be blessed so they could be a blessing. They were to be a family on mission right from the very beginning. That was their calling. That was their identity. And if you know the story of Israel at least a little bit, you'll know that there were moments when they briefly, brightly lived up to that calling And then there were many, many other moments when they fell way short of that calling and either tried to keep God's blessing for themselves or just lost touch with God's work in their lives almost completely and fell into idolatry and and darkness of different kinds. And the prophets, very often in the story of Israel, um, appeared to call them back to that original calling. Uh, Maybe one of the most famous places where that happens is in Isaiah 49, when Isaiah said, uh, or God says through Isaiah, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And that's God through the prophet saying, I haven't given up on that original plan that I gave to Abraham. It's not just for you. It's not just for you as a family. It's not just for you as a nation. It's for all the people of the earth, all the families of the earth. Um, So who's the family of Abraham? First of all, it's Israel. 
Um, but maybe as the Old Testament reaches its end uh, and the voice of the prophets is followed by a long silence, um, you could be forgiven for thinking that that strategy that we've talked about had failed. Uh, maybe you might even find yourself thinking maybe it would have been better if God had worked directly rather than choosing ordinary, flawed, fallible, wonky human beings in order to do that work. Um, and so as you reach the end of the, the Old Testament, there's a period of silence. But then you turn the page to Matthew's gospel, which is the beginning of the New Testament. And what do you find? You find something that a lot of people skip past, but it's important you don't skip past it. Because what you find when you turn the page to Matthew's gospel um, is a family tree. And the family tree begins with, guess who? <laughs> Abraham. And it goes through 14 generations until it arrives at David, and then 14 generations until it arrives at the exile, and then 14 generations until it arrives at Jesus. And we don't have time to talk about this in lots of detail now, but what is Matthew telling us by the way he has arranged that family tree? And, point, and stopping at Abraham and David and exile and then Jesus. Um, I think, among many other things, what he's telling us is um, Jesus is the one who brings people out of exile and brings them home. Jesus is the one who fulfills all the promises that were given to David of a kingdom of peace and justice and righteousness that will never end. And, most importantly for what we're thinking about this morning, Jesus is the one who fulfills the promises to Abraham. Um, our second answer who is the family of Abraham? It's Israel. But then it narrows down to one particular Israelite, one particular son of Abraham. Um, Jesus is the offspring of Abraham. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. He is the family of Abraham. And he embodies in his person the blessing of God, the goodness and shalom of God. Uh, and whenever Jesus begins his most famous sermon in Matthew chapter 5, how does he begin? He begins by saying, blessed, 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 blessed. I'll not go on because he, he says it nine times. Because all that was promised to Abraham is now coming to fulfillment. And in the death of Jesus, Jesus takes the curse on himself. And he takes on himself all of our sin and the sin of the world and all of its deathly consequences. And he opens wide the doors so the blessing can flow to all people. And so you see how the story of Abraham flows to the story of Jesus. And in uh, one of our Christmas carols, we sing about Jesus. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. How far? As far as the curse is found. Wherever sin has disfigured the world, Wherever shalom has been fractured, wherever blessing has been lost, Jesus has come to bring blessing, to restore all that's been lost. So the family of Abraham um, is Israel. That was a patchy story. Um, the family of Abraham is Jesus. But this is where I want to land. <laughs> the family of Jesus is you. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, the family of Abraham is you. And this brings us back to Rich Mullins and where we began. 
Um, what did Rich Mullins mean when he sang, sometimes I think of Abraham, how one star he saw had been lit for me? Um, I, I could have, instead of quoting Rich Mullins, I could have, could have quoted a, a kid's song some of us sang when we were younger that most of us, I never knew really what it meant, but we used to sing, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, right arm, left arm. Like, you loved it as a kid, but you had no idea what it meant. But what did both those songs, what are they saying? It's saying whenever Abraham was taken outside and God said, um, look at the stars, if you can count them, so will your offspring be. And it's talking about the family that will come from Abraham, and it's talking about the nation that will come from Abraham. But much more than that, it's talking about all those who will believe in Jesus and as a result be brought into the family of Abraham. And therefore, one of the stars he saw had been lit for you. That was you. Um, and so I want to, if you don't believe me, I want to try and prove it to you from one verse in Galatians 3, where Paul writes, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Messiah, then he brings you into the family of promise so that all of the promises given to Abraham now belong to you. And this is where I kind of want to try and bring it back to you and I on Monday morning and our cattle. Um, because if all the promises given to Abraham belong to you, then that means two things. It means in light of all that we've talked about this morning. It means, first of all, that God wants to bless you. In other words, he wants to write a story of redemption and renewal in your life, right? So he wants to begin in you, and he wants to, in you, reverse the curse and deal with sin and deal with all the consequences of sin and start to restore the goodness and blessing and shalom of the garden. And if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then he has already begun that good work in you. And he's going to carry it on to completion, right? So that's his first intention, is to bless you, is to do that uh, work in you. But the bit I want to make sure we don't miss is the second part. It also means he intends to use you to carry his blessing to others. That like Israel, you haven't just been brought into his family to enjoy his blessings for yourself but in order to carry them to the world so that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. All the families of Mount Sandal, of Coleraine, of Northern Ireland and beyond, all the families of the earth will be blessed through us because we are the children of promise. We are the children of Abraham. And I wonder, wonder how you feel about that as you think about getting up tomorrow morning and flicking on the kettle. Um, how do you feel about that promise? Um, and I want to, kind of as a place to end, I want to come back to these words that uh, we read at the very end. And I've changed it to Abraham because that's how it's quoted in the New Testament. Um, Abraham believed God. It's the, the kind of classic statement about Abraham. He's our archetypal example of faith. Abraham believed God and so Abraham was willing to step out into the unknown and leave everything he knew 
uh, and step out with God and leave his home and go wherever God would lead him. Um, But I guess my question for you and for myself is, do you believe God's promise this morning? That he wants to bless you and write a, a story of redemption and restoration in your life, but also that he wants to make you a blessing and extend his blessing into the world through you. Um, I found myself noticing when God says, I will bless you and make you a blessing, it's not primarily a command. He doesn't say to Abraham, you must be a blessing. It's primarily a promise, saying this is what I'm going to do through, in you and through you. And so the question for him and the question for us is, do you believe me? Um, and maybe as I was thinking about this, I thought um, some of us maybe find it easier to believe the first part. So maybe we believe that God wants to do a blessing work in us. And so if I said to you this morning, do you believe that God has forgiven your sins? You'd say, yes, John Mark. Do you believe God has made you part of his family? Yes. Do you believe God has given you his spirit? Yes. Do you believe God has begun to change you and root sin out of your life and restore shalom and restore goodness and that one day he's going to finish that process and you'd say yes do you believe that that you're going to live with him forever in uh, a future in heaven in the new creation Um, yes so maybe we find that a little even that is big good news to believe but maybe we're able to say yes to that but maybe we find it more difficult if I say do you believe tomorrow when you get up and flick on that kettle, sorry, I keep talking about the kettle. Um, do you believe he can use you this week to be a blessing in your workplace, in your street, in your home with your family, and to carry his hope to people who are in despair and carry his healing to people dealing with all kinds of woundedness and brokenness and carry his peace to people who are overwhelmed by anxiety and fear? And carry the blessing of salvation to people who are lost. Um, I wonder what your answer is to that question. Do you believe that that is true? That God doesn't just want to do it in you, but he wants to do it through you. And just as Abraham was one ordinary guy living in Iraq, and you're very aware you're just one ordinary person living in Coleraine. But the question for us is the same as for Abraham. And so my application this morning is not primarily to go and do anything. Um, But it's to start here, is to believe God. Do you believe God's promise? Because then if you do, everything flows from there. And we step out into the unknown. We take a step towards our neighbours, believing that God who's doing it in us will also do it um, through us. Um, So, With all of that in mind, that was a bit bit breathless this morning. I was aware we were covering a lot of ground. Um, Let's pray uh, for ourselves, for each other, um, and then we're going to sing to finish. And don't forget, um, if you'd like prayer from somebody this morning, uh, there'll be a couple of people up here uh, who'd love to pray with you uh, before you go. Um, Let's pray. Um, Father, we've, we've covered a lot of ground and talked about a lot of things this morning, but um, I guess my prayer is very simple. Um, my prayer is that this big story, 
um, would, would capture our hearts, would capture our imaginations, um, that we would have a, a deep and strong sense that this is the big story within which we live and move and have our being. That as we get up tomorrow morning, this is the story that we live inside. And Father, I want to pray that that would give us a sense of purpose as we go into our lives tomorrow morning. Um, that just as you called Abraham and promised to bless him and make him a blessing, so you have called us as the children of Abraham. Um, and the promise for us is the same, that you want to bless us and do your transforming, saving, healing work within our lives. But then you want to use us to extend that work into the world. And so my prayer this morning is that you would help us to believe you. Help us by your spirit to trust you that you want to use ordinary people like us in the ordinary places where we spend our week. Um, to carry your hope and carry your healing and carry your blessing and carry your salvation um, into our world. Um, Father, we're going to need your help to work out what that looks like tomorrow morning. But Father, right now, let your word do its work in our hearts. And would you persuade us uh, that this is your promise over our lives. And I pray that like Abraham, we would be people who believe you and then step out into the unknown. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.